20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pack-A-Day Podcast, the 202nd episode of Pack-A-Day Podcast. My name is Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. I am joined, by always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. You can find him at Ross Uglum. Ross, how are you doing today, man? I'm great. I'm uh, happy to be talking football again. That combine just keeps getting closer and closer. I know. We are in the month of February, end of end of February coming up. And actually, we have some guys kind of to keep an eye on here. Um, I figure next week or in two weeks, Ross, we'll be back on kind of in perfect timing to do a really nice combine preview. Um, but until then, to hold you over, Ross and I both have three mid-round guys to kind of keep an eye on today as we approach that process. Um, just because I figure, you know, the Packers are probably going to attack the defensive side of the ball very heavily this year in the draft. So if they are going to go offense, I would assume that will be probably day two, three. But before we get to those guys, Ross, there is actually a little bit of Packers news in regards to a fifth-round draft pick in last year's draft class, and that is Cole Madison, uh, the O-tackle O-guard from Washington State. And we we touched on this a little bit this summer, just kind of speculating about you know maybe what was keeping him away from the game. And un- it's a really unfortunate you know situation, but you know Michael Cohen. Uh, who writes for the the Athletic actually came out with an article today, you know, talking about how Cole has really kind of taken a step back from football because his really close friend and starting quarterback uh, for the Washington State uh, team, you know, Tyler Hillins uh, is Hillinski. Is I saying that right? Tyler Hillinski. I think so. Um, he, you know, he was unfortunately took his own life last year after the season. You know, there were CTE type issues, so. Uh, so Cole has decided, you know, you know, his rightfully so kind of that he wants to take a step back from football himself. So I'm not sure what his future holds, but it kind of sounds, Ross, like he's probably not going to play for the Packers ever. Yeah, this was something that we kind of knew. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of knew, um, you know, Michael Cohen just was the first person who finally broke the story, I guess. Uh, this was generally common knowledge uh, as far as what the reasoning was, the difficulties that he was having. Um, I I don't think he'll play football again. I mean, uh, a a lot of people I think were more excited about him just because it was a position of need. We got to remember folks, this is a fifth round pick. Fifth round picks aren't guaranteed anything in this league, Uh, specifically not fifth round picks who take a year off and I don't personally know if he's staying in shape or, or doing any football drills. I, I, I mean, an offensive lineman that's a fifth round pick with a year on the couch. I, I struggle to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel there. Yeah, I agree. And I know just from looking, I've been talking to some guys about this lately, just looking at hit rates from each round, the fifth round hit rate, meaning the chance of that guy being a starter is a seven seven percent But even so, um, you know, Cole was a Packer briefly, so 
Uh, you know, wish him nothing but the best, you know, on a personal level, you know, and, and you really do get to see the personal side of football here. So as Packers fans, I, I you know, just seen on Twitter kind of some of the, you know, the kind of the gross things people are saying about Cole. Uh, not, you know, really not warranted. The guy's obviously gone through a lot. So I think as Packers fans, you got to respect the guy's decision uh, if he doesn't want to play. So um, that's that's up to Cole. So I, I, you know, I wish the guy nothing but the best. I know he ended up getting like a $324,000 signing bonus just for, just for getting picked. So hopefully, you know, he can, you know, that's a pretty nice little head start for anyone out of college. So hopefully he can figure out what he wants to do and then he finds joy and happiness in that. So wish nothing but, you know, but the best for Cole. Um, but moving on from that. So as I alluded to earlier, we have, we each have three guys that kind of piqued our interest so far in this process. Um, Ross, I know I'm about 200 players deep into this class already for guys that I've at least had it have an have an initial grade on. So some of these guys have really stood out to me. Some of them stood out to me at the Senior Bowl, but they're guys that basically I'm going to get going to get into. And I'm going to talk about you know a why I like them, and then b why I think they actually might be a good fit for the Green Bay Packers. So I'm going to start with the the running back position, and this is a guy that I think has been gaining a little bit of steam as of late. He is the running back from Georgia, Elijah Holyfield. And he is a guy that when you watch him, one, he's very, very well built, which is typical because if you don't know by now, he is obviously the son of former heavyweight champion. Um, what's his face? Holyfield. Why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, Evander Holyfield. My goodness. Um, so he is his son. He And he is built like a, a heavyweight champion boxer's kid should be built. Very thick, uh, very well built, very good looking athlete. Now at, at Georgia, what you saw was not really a lot because he didn't get on the field until really this last year, which you could really view as a positive because the wear and tear on this guy is very limited. But when you look at him just as a player, he is a fan, fantastically built with great, great contact balance. And what I mean by that is he does not usually go down on the first hit. He's a guy that keeps his legs churning. He moves forward. He's super powerful. He's a violent runner. Um, he's the type of guy that with the ball in his hand, he initiates contact. He does not take hits. He gives hits. And what I really like about him is I think he's got solid vision and he makes sharp, efficient cuts. He gets that gets north and south really quick which a guy like that fits really well with what Matt LaFleur is going to want to do because he's bringing a, you know, a new zone, a zone blocking scheme, which is something the Packers have done in the past. But I think we're going to see a lot more of that uh, moving forward. So you're really looking for those guys that can really just put their foot in the ground and get north and south. Um, explodes through the hole. Like I said, doesn't go down on first contact at all. The biggest thing I like about him and just looking at the Packers' backfield right now, they have two pretty solid backs. So you might be saying, well, Jake, why would they want to take a running back? Well, they've got one stud running back that's got two years in the league and two knee injuries. Uh, Jamal Williams looks like you know, he's, a, he's a guy. He's, he's a good player, but he's not someone you wouldn't draft a good player just because you have a Jamal Williams. But the thing about Jamal Williams that personally I think he does not fit well, and I think this goes all, all the way back to BYU – I think Jamal Williams is such a he, – he's a rhythm back. He needs to get 10 to 20 carries. His best carries are probably carry 11 through 20, and you see him wearing down the defense. That doesn't jive super well 
with Aaron Jones, who's more of a – he doesn't need that. He, you can give him the ball. He can rip off an 80-yard run on his first carry. We saw it two years ago in the over, overtime game against Cincinnati, whoever that was, that he had the walk-off touchdown. Now, Elijah Holyfield, I think, fits better with pairing with Aaron Jones because he's already been in a, a committee-type backfield. I mean, for goodness sakes, he's coming from Georgia. Like there's, he's been, he hasn't been able to see the field because of the ridiculous talent that's been in front of him. Plus he's playing with their other running back Swift, who's really the home run hitter who could kind of be, you know, a la Aaron Jones in the Packers offense. So Elijah Holyfield is a guy that right now I have a third round grade on him, but I think, you know, just the way the running back position is valued, he might actually fall further than that just because running backs typically do drop a little bit in the draft. But that's my first guy, running back Elijah Holyfield from Georgia. Ross, who who is your who is your dude at running back? Yeah, Chad Reuter, uh, NFL.com. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out Mock Draft Monday on Cheesehead TV, get her done. Uh, he mocked Elijah Holyfield Green Bay at 30. I did. Oh, you're right. I did see that. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit rich, I think. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? He has been getting a lot of buzz lately. I, it, I highly doubt he goes in the top 32. But the the thing about the draft, Ross, and you know this, is you just you never say never with anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the, like I wrote, uh, first round or you know, mocks that have backs in the first round, they go in the trash. I don't make the rules; I just enforce them. <laughs> I like it. Uh, my guy, and, and I, I mean, I stumped for FCS guys. No, you know, there's no question about that. But this this is a guy that has over and over again flashed for me. And, and, and it's no mystery to anybody that I cover North Dakota state. I do film analysis on North Dakota state and they have Western Illinois on the schedule uh, every year. And in 2017, Colin Saunders, who was a senior bowl invitee and is now a combine invitee just exploded off, off, off the film. I mean, he was, uh, the best guy on their team, w- without question. Uh, he is a ridiculous-sized human being. People have seen his viral video where he's doing a backflip. Um, they even lined him up on the up on the edge to rush the passer against North Dakota State. Uh, this guy is an absolute freak and um, dominant in one-on-one situations against FCS offensive linemen. Rarely got them, mostly, you know, dealt with doubles. But, uh, you know, he's kind of like Ed Oliver like to me in that if you watch Ed Oliver film and people are a little bit worried about him, you see him sliding down draft boards a little bit. But this is a guy who was getting double and triple teamed in the American Athletic Conference. He just was. I mean, uh, I watched him play South Florida and they had guys all over him all game. And you think to yourself, wow. Uh, if it's two and a half guys to block him, what's it going to be like when he's playing against other playing alongside other good defensive linemen and teams do have to try and single him up. And that's kind of where I'm at with Saunders is uh, not quite the pedigree of Oliver, obviously, but just a a freak human being. I mean, unbelievably athletic uh, seems to be a good kid. And I think really uh, is, is, is a guy that, might not seem like he fits an incredible need, but man, you start getting into like round three, round four with him. And I think you've got 
first round upside. And, and that's everybody's least favorite word this time of year is upside. But I think you have that level of maybe it just might happen with Colin Saunders. Well, and how do you think he would fit in Mike Pettin's defense? Where would you where would you line up a guy like that? I mean, pro, you know, I think he could do a number of things because he is that athletic. I think, uh, without question, you could use him as a backup one, you know, to Clark. Uh, I don't have his height and weight right in front of me, um, but I think he's 320. You know, uh, he definitely has the girth. Um, yeah, 6'2", 320. Mm-hmm. He's got the girth to – play the one and then you know this is a guy and and yes granted it's it's the fcs level and i understand that but i mean he is making multiple plays uh in in the backfield and 13 tackles for loss six and a half sacks five quarterback hits that's a 320 you know um very 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 impressive stuff and frankly just for a guy that size he was third on his team in tackles 72 total tackles as a 320 pound man that's that's work for strong safeties and linebackers you know that that those are the guys that have tackle numbers in the 70s when you're playing 11 games on a college schedule that that's that's real work man that, that he's putting in and so uh yeah i think he'd be the backup one but wherever you're putting a tyler lancaster playing him at the three uh you know, like I said, they played him at the at the six tech a number of times against North Dakota State, but he's a guy that you does not have ideal five tech length, you know, like your Dean Lowry or or going back in time like your Dayton Jones. But I think really with his athleticism and his production, any of the spots really on the line, I think he you can definitely get away with him. Use him kind of as a three inches taller version of Mike Daniels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's interesting you bring him up to you. Cause I actually just did my film study on him a couple, three days ago and you bring up North Dakota state and really the only team that, and he still did some nice things against North Dakota state. Don't get me wrong, but Tanner Volsom, the center for North Dakota state, actually, I'm just going to give, that's going to be my bonus name. I'm going to throw in. He, he's going to be in a camp. That guy actually did a pretty nice job against Saunders. But, uh, but yeah, if Saunders ended up being on the Packers team, that would be, that'd be a really fun uh, mid-round selection because, like you said, he does probably – I mean, he packs quite a punch with as far as upside goes. He's kind of got a lot of untapped potential. So that's a good spot. That's a good pick. I would be thrilled to have him in green and gold. Um, <clears throat> my second guy on the list, and I'm sticking to the offensive side of the ball, this is a guy that really stood out to me at the Senior Bowl. I had watched his film – prepped kind of going into the senior bowl and he was my wide receiver one going into the senior bowl and his name's not Debo Samuels but it is Jacoby Myers the wide receiver from NC State love his game he is he's only been playing wide receiver for two or three years he can't he was recruited to NC State as a quarterback so he's got good size you know he's 6'2 200 plus He's a good athlete. I don't think he's going to run four threes, maybe mid four fours, probably a four five guy even. But that's not how he wins. He wins with he's for a guy that's pretty new to the position. He's actually a pretty good route runner, you know. So he understands what I really like about him. And this this is kind of cliche, but it goes back to the whole he's got a quarterback background because when you watch him 
run his routes. You know, this is coaching, but this is him too. He really understands route concepts well. And what I mean by that is when you watch a young receiver, sometimes say they're running like a slant dig or, or something like that. Sometimes you see these guys almost drift into someone else's route. And if you have two guys by each other when the ball the, at the catch point, someone did something wrong. And so Jacoby Myers really understands that well. I think he does a really nice job with his routes and with his, in his concepts. And what I, what else I liked about him and with his fit with the Packers would be he's a 6'2", a legit 6'2 slot receiver. He didn't really play on the outside because, of course, he was playing – you know, he played with Kelvin Harmon as well, but he really is just he, – he's your prototypical slot guy. He could come in and play the slot right away. He's a nightmare with a two-way release inside. Um, his footwork in his in and out of his breaks is really nice. I love the way that, uh, that he gets in and out of his breaks. He's smooth, very smooth to watch. He can climb the ladder, go up and get the ball. I love the way he sells his vertical routes which what I mean by that is when he's running vertically, he can really snap his head, drop his hips, and, and get his body turned around quickly on a comeback or a curl or, or anything horizontally. So I really like his game as far as as, for, as far as where he's at right now as a, as a route runner. And one thing that I also am sure of, Alvis Whitted, the guy from Colorado State that they just signed to be their wide receivers coach, when you go watch Colorado State's receivers, those dudes know how to run routes. Like it's, they're very crisp. They're very clean. So I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited. I would be really excited if Jacoby could come in and get coached, uh, coached up by coach Witted as uh, even a little bit more. Um, he's a guy that's got good yak ability. Contact balance is also pretty good. And the biggest thing about him that I like is when you see him in man on man coverage, he creates his own space, which is something that, Going back to Mike McCarthy, that was always, always the issue. If it wasn't Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson back in his heyday, these guys could not create their own space. They were very much dependent on the system, but the system was dependent on them creating their own space. So it was, you get this weird like catch-22 of no one being able to get open. Uh, Jacoby, I think, is a guy that's gonna that could come in right away, get a lot, get just create separation, catch a ton of balls. Um, and eventually probably could play that outside receiver position. He's got the size, speed, hands, everything for it. But right now he's more well-versed running that slot position. Ross, who is, um, who is your second dude? Unless you got, unless you have any comments on, on, on my son, Jacoby. Yeah. So, I mean, my comment in general is that I'm starting to get the same feeling for the wide receiver group that I am getting for the, the tailback group. And that's that, Man, I mean, like, how how many of these guys would you not be comfortable in the first round, but at the same time be completely comfortable in the, you know, in the second round, uh, fourth round, whatever? There are so many of these mid-level guys in this in this draft that it's it, it, it's just bonkers. Uh, it's it's just absolutely bonkers. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Um, as, as far as I think there's maybe 11 backs that I would take between round two and round four and probably eight or nine receivers in that range. And so, and with receivers, the same thing, DK Metcalf eh, and Keo Harry that eh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not like doing backflips over the, the top end guys there. So one of the guys that I really like, though, 
because of positional value is Jaquan Johnson from Miami. I've been watching on watching him a little bit. He he, I think it, it could legit be a, a center fielder. Uh, mm-hmm. He could give you kind of like that Eddie Jackson type of a guy that was pigeonholed as a free safety and uh, maybe wasn't a huge impact guy in college, but went to a premier program and for whatever reason just falls. And then a couple of years later is like a high end free safety in the national football league. And you're wondering to yourself, how in the world did this guy get to that point? And that's and that's Eddie Jackson you're talking about, right? As far as like just being this guy that all of a sudden burst on the scene and well, right, like just in general, that free safety spot is so valuable in in today's NFL, and and there was no reason that Eddie Jackson should have been a fourth round pick. It's it's there's no reason for it. I I didn't I, I thought that when he got drafted, but. I think Jaquan has a lot of those true free safety abilities. He's a little bit undersized, but I think as as far as as a guy like even a Trey Boston, very similar, but a guy that you can get, don't have to spend a first-round pick, just plug him in at free safety and go, that's Jaquan Johnson for me. Yeah, I like Jaquan quite a bit. And especially going back to the well with those Miami secondary players that, you know, they they haven't been as successful lately. But whenever I see a guy from the U playing in the secondary, and I know it's the, the old saying goes, scout the player, not the helmet. But that's kind of the reverse one for me. If I see a guy from Miami uh, that's played some D-back for them, that's that's kind of something that gets me excited. So he'd be a guy that I think, you know, a lot of people I've seen him um, – I think I have a third on him right now. I could look that up. But I think I've seen a lot of people with him kind of looking at the second, second, third, fourth round, kind of in that range. But the thing about this draft class in general, Ross, is you kind of talked about it with the running back and wide receiver position. It's kind of like that for, I mean, besides like the quarterback position's not deep. Um, O-tackle kind of falls off a cliff. But this is actually, I mean, this this draft class has kind of been kind of been poo-pooed a little bit. I think it's actually pretty good. It's pretty deep. You know, it's not great at the top end, because, and that's not great for the Packers with the 12th overall pick. But, man, like you start talking about that, I'm almost as excited for the 30th pick as I am for the 12th pick because I don't think there's going to be that much of a drop-off between those two spots. So um, this is – I don't know. this and, and there's just more to come to. Some of these guys could uh, test po- poorly or better. You never know. But – my last guy, and I saved I saved my favorite for last. And the tight end position is something I think the Packers are going to address this year. I think they're going to do it. Whether that's at 30, the probably the most popular mock draft. And, Ross, you do this every Monday, so you've seen it too. The most popular 12 and 30 picks right now are probably Ja'Kai Polite at 12, either a mixture of either Fant or Hawkinson at 30. Now, I don't know if they're going to go for a tight end at 30. If Hawkinson was there, I would sprint that card to the to the front. But the guy, but let's say neither of those guys fall down on their board. Let's say Irv Smith is gone. My tight end four, actually, in this class is a guy, but his name is Jace Sternberger from Texas A&M. I absolutely love this guy's game. Now, 
What's funny about him is he is actually a transfer from Kansas University, the the football powerhouse that is the Jayhawks. And they wanted this dude to play defensive end. And he basically said, I'm not a D end. I'm a tight end. I'm leaving. And he made the right call. Because when you watch this guy on tape, you want to talk about a guy that runs really nice routes for a man that is like 6'5", 245, 250. This is him. He's fluid in his routes. And one thing that I think you can always look at when you're watching a tight end is how easily do they open up their hips and get upfield. And the opposite of that, and we all remember watching Richard Rodgers on those stupid speed outs that they refused to give up, that they'd run three of them a game. It was painful to watch him because it would take him so long to collect himself, to get upfield, and to try to get any yards after catch. Jay Sternberger is the anti-Richard Rodgers. This guy is an athlete. He has got such good hips. And not just getting upfield, but in his routes, a big guy like this, when he can sink his hips and change directions like this guy can, it, it gets me excited. He shows really good flexibility. Um, with that, he also is the type of guy that can go up, climb the ladder, get the ball. But one thing about these big guys that's always nice to see too is he can always get the carpet burner. He can get the he can get the low passes too. If you throw it at his shoelaces, he can actually bend down and get it. So he's a guy that I think he would offer just a ton of yard after catch. It's just yak ability. Uh, he's tough to bring down in open space too. This guy's breaking tackles. He's running away from linebackers. Um, and, and in this draft class for tight ends, I think he's kind of being overlooked right now. I really expect this guy to have a really nice combine. Um, at least that's what I see. That's what I see on tape. Now he's not, he's not a perfect prospect. Uh, I think he could be there in the second or third round because he's really a move tight end. When you watch him block, um, like a lot of young tight ends, there's a, there's work to be done. He needs to be really, he needs to be more physical in his entire his entire profile, his entire game, even in his routes, I would like to see him be a little bit more physical, um, not get knocked off his routes as easily. Uh, but that's just kind of being nitpicky with him. But Jay Sternberger, the tight end from Texas A&M University, if he could come in and fit in with the Packers, um, I think he would be a really nice addition to that passing attack. I think, you know, if they could even double up on tight end, if he's there, if he drops a little bit, fourth, fifth round, I would have absolutely zero problem with them taking a tight end at 30 and then Sternberger with their fourth or fifth round pick. I think that would be incredible. Um, They still, it looks like they're going to bring Jimmy Graham back. So they don't need a guy to come in necessarily as a rookie and produce because those guys are really hard to find at the tight end position. It's just such a tough position to come in and play right away. Just the physicality going from college football to the NFL is just, I think that's probably one of the, the steepest learning curves. But Jay Sternberger was was my third guy on my list, and he's 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 a guy you have people in every draft class that you just kind of fall in love with, and he is that he's so far at the tight end position, he's that guy for me, especially as a mid round mid round guy, Ross. Yeah, this this seems to be a deep tight end class. A lot of guys like Dawson Knox. Um, I'm an Isaac Naota guy. I, I like his game quite a bit. But there's there's depth at the position, certainly, because you've got those top three guys, the Iowa kid and and uh, the Iowa kids, excuse me, mm-hmm. and Irv Smith Jr., all guys I think that, you know, probably project as sort of day one starter type cats. And then, um, you know, the, the, the people, the folks that we've mentioned, which would be the um, 
the mid-round guys, the Jay Sternbergers, the, the Isaac Nottas, the Dawson Knoxes. Uh, this is definitely, I think, a year that they should take somebody. Uh, you know, I don't know necessarily uh, who it is, but if they if they want to grab one or two guys, this seems to be a class with some depth and a class where they probably could do that. My last guy is, is, is an edge guide, and, and, and for me, uh, I wouldn't even call him a mid-round pick, but I can definitely see a world in which he is one. And that's Anthony Nelson from Iowa. He's a long lever guy. Uh, for me, Iowa in general, I think kind of has a really low bust rate. I, I, I haven't necessarily, um, you know, done the numbers, but yeah, he, in my opinion, or I guess just over the years, they've really had a nice, nice, at least non-bust. I don't know if I call it the hit rate at 100%, but at least the, the Iowa prospects don't seem to be flaming out um, ever since, you know, Robert Gallery, basically. Uh, I, I, I like him as a sort of um, long-levered edge guy that ha- that Petten has historically used. And that might not be my preference, you know, my, my, I like the Bendy guys. I like the Harold Landry's. I like the Jakai Polites. But in, in a general sense, um, the guys that I would anticipate being in the patent system are, you know, these, these longer guys like, uh, like an Anthony Nelson out of Iowa. Yeah. And he's, he's an ass kicker, man. He really is. Like he's, like you said, he's, he's a longer guy. I don't know if he's ever, going to be a guy that's going to get you consistently double digit sacks, but he's definitely a guy that I think could live in that six, eight kind of range and be really solid in the run game. And just honestly, the type of guy you want on your team, just because he's going to be a good player. Like you said, it, Iowa totally does. They, they, and Iowa's been pretty kind to the Packers too. They could go back to that. Well, one more time. I mean, there's, you know, half a dozen players, the Packers have taken from Iowa recently that have really panned out and played well for them. So I think anytime Packers go with an Iowa Hawkeye, that's it's uh it's not a bad not a bad look. So that's uh that's it for us, Ross. Um, you know, we got a lot of prospects to get through as, as we go through. I know we're gonna ramp up our draft coverage here probably as we get closer to the NFL draft. And that's just not just Ross and I. I think that's everyone at the Pack a Day podcast. Um as we get closer to that month of April, um we've got some really exciting stuff planned. So uh, it, you know, stick around here for your draft coverage. You you will not regret it. Um, you know, talk to us about the draft. I know Ross and I are both really active on Twitter. Both really big fans of the draft. Love talking to love talking to other you know other nerds out there about the draft. So if you have any questions or want to discuss anything, uh, shoot us you know shoot us a text or or whatever. Um, but Ross, killing it, man. Thanks for joining me today. Um, love your three selections. Um, but that's that's all we got for today. Uh, next time you talk to, to Ross and I, I'm sure we'll be talking about some some combine coverage, uh, some stuff to look for uh, when we get to that. So thanks for joining us today. Um, again, you can find Ross on Twitter at Ross Uglum. Uh, my name is Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. Until next time, guys, go Pack Go. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25, cutting right to the 20, 15, 10, 5! Devontae Adams!